And we're back! Welcome to the Western Conference preview of Hello from the Offside. Uh, just a quick cleanup from last time because I need fact-tracking live, apparently. Uh, Chicago, uh, I had said that Milovic was their leading scorer. He was not. It was their really good forward, Robert Barrick. Um, and I also said Chicago and Seattle drew, but they played twice. Both games ended 2-1. One time Seattle won, one time Chicago won. And also, one other quick cleanup for everyone. We predicted a top eight, assuming that MLS was going to keep that format. They did not. Uh, they are doing top seven uh, for playoff implications. So it's going to be really interesting. I think that kind of mixes things up a little bit in the East, probably in the West as well. Um, Don't correct so my stats. I gave you the full table. I don't know about what y'all are doing. I gave <laughs> you, you a full table. This is true. That's true. That's true, yeah. Um, but for those who only did a top eight, uh, realistically, the top seven is what matters. But um, I think we all kind of agreed after the top maybe four teams in the East, it was pretty fluid there for six or seven teams. So uh, a lot could happen. Uh, so that's kind of the cleanup real quick. Uh, we're going to jump right into the West, and we're going to go alphabetical again, uh, starting with uh, Colin, uh, who has Austin, and also with us today is Davis, and Renee, and myself, Brad. So Colin, you want to kick it off with Austin? Yeah, thanks. I was wondering if you were going to introduce me. Um, the it, It's hard to really say what this team is going to look like, um, but I think we do have a few, a few hints. Um, for anybody who's been watching the U.S. play recently, uh, or has watched Greg Berhalter play with the crew, it's pretty clear that uh, that Austin's going to play the same sort of way. Uh, they have Josh Wolf, who is uh, Berhalter's number two assistant. His number one assistant, Nico Estevez, um, who's still with the U.S. national team now, um, is kind of the guy that Berhalter sticks with. But Josh Wolf is uh, the coach of Austin. He's been working with the U.S. national team as well, so I would not be surprised to see. Um, to see Austin either run the same sort of four three three, that the national team are running where you have like three uh, three center mids with two eights and a six. Maybe one of the eights is a little more creative. Maybe one is a little more um, box to box minded. And then you've got three wingers with at least one, or excuse me, three front line with at least one who can cut in um, and act as as a sort of creative fulcrum. Um, they may run a four two three one. Who knows? It may be a four two three one that looks like a four three three, but I think that's what it's going to look like. Um, Austin has managed to make a team without losing any players from last year uh, because they didn't exist until now. But so they've they've made their entire roster out of uh, out of nothing. Um, I, I think instead of just list out all the players, which I'm kind of going to do, you can you can sort of break these into a few different categories of players. Um, I have the, the first category is MLS vets who are either kind of past their prime or need a change of scenery. Um, the number one player on this list is Alex Ring, who I think is really, really, really good. A really good uh, midfielder. Um, will probably be their captain. I think it's either going to be him or Bessler. Um, and if it's already been named, sorry, I missed it. Um, but Ring is comes over from New York City FC. Still sort of in the, in the peak of his powers. Um is going to get forward for them, is going to be able to get up and down the field as an, as an eight and create a little bit, um, and also will score some goals, uh, which is something they're going to need. Um, I think that's a really good signing for them. Probably, in my opinion, Ring is their best player, and that's their best signing. So 
I think that's a good one. Um, Matt Bessler, not been great for a while, um, but still a really good veteran locker room presence. Diego Fagundes, same thing. He's still really young, and he may have just needed a change of scenery away from New England forever, um, but that's a good one. Uh, Nick Lima, kind of a average to maybe slightly below average, depending on the day, um, outside back. Same with Ben Sweat. Ben Sweat was pretty good a couple years ago, not so much now. Um, and then Andrew Tarbell, they, the uh, second of the former crew players I'm mentioning, Ben Sweat being the first. Uh, Tarbell was the crew's goalie in multiple playoff games last year with uh, Eli Room um, unable to play, medically unable to play until the final. And Andrew Tarbell did a really, really, really good job. Um, it was pretty clear that he's sort of figuring his, his thing out and is ready to compete or uh, hold the full-time starting slot for a team. Um, the next the next group of players that they've uh, that they've gotten, or I'm just uh, calling old crew players because it is old crew players. Um, Aaron Schoenfeld, uh, big salary from uh, the crew, went to play in Israel for a while where he was really successful, came back, played with Minnesota, um, and was pretty much back to where he was, just a long, tall, uh, striker Kikutamane uh, always the next best thing uh, and then it's never panned out but he is now also with Austin um, Ben Sweat I'm going to rename him Andrew Tarbell going to rename him uh, Brad Suver I think he went to Ohio State also played for the crew and uh, Sebastian Berhalter uh, is on loan from the crew so they've got a direct a direct connection there now um of those players, I think Hector is going to compete to start. Um, he might start. I think he's. I, I would not be surprised if he starts at least half the games. Um, Kikuta Mane is probably a uh, fringe starter as well. Um, same with Schoenfeld. Do they have signed some other strikers? Um, the last one, the last group of players that they've they've picked up is uh, I'm calling guys who all share the same agent and played for Guarini from Paraguay uh, because that's what they did. They signed uh, Cecilio Dominguez, uh, Rodney Redis, and Johan Romagna, who are all um, <laughs> had the same agent, and now Cecilio uh, Dominguez is playing for uh, Guarani until the season starts. So I imagine he's back in. Um, in Austin now. Uh, he's a DP. The other two, I believe, are not DPs. Um, then the final signing that's worth mentioning is Tomas Pochettino, Argentine, um, number eight. I know Davis mentioned this in our first uh, conversation, that he's he's definitely more of a number eight. He's not a 10, despite how the team has marketed him. Um, obviously, Josh Wolf isn't going to play him as a 10. He may be a creative eight right beside... Um, Alex Ring, but he's uh, he's going to get up and down the field. Um, all right, so then prediction time. Uh, I, I've got a question. I think that's worth asking you guys before I make my prediction. Um, so Austin has two DPs right now. They have Pochettino and Dominguez. Both they paid about twenty two point five million for, which is to like like to give an example. That's the same fee that. Precourt paid back in like 2016 for Pedro Santos. That's really not much money. That's that's about the going rate for like a really high TAM signing um, or a kind of lower level DP. So I, I guess my question for you guys and my question here is, 
you know, is Austin going to spend money? They've got a DP slot open for the summer. And, you know, they've only spent essentially $5 million on transfers. Are they going to – are they going to spend the money that's necessary to compete? I don't think so. Okay. I think what they're kind of doing is, as you mentioned, they have these two DPs who aren't super expensive. Obviously, we've seen DPs cost a lot more. I think it's kind of a strategy where they bring in two bigger – name players to kind of get the fan base excited and then maybe in the off season buy someone down and then they have two available dp spots to bring in some more expensive people uh this could just be a way to get their mls legs under them and kind of figure out the west obviously with covid and everything i don't know how much mls competition like a lot of these players have seen like if they've been able to scrimmage any other teams or anything um, or work together. So I kind of see this being a really awkward and terrible year to start a franchise in MLS. Yeah, I think I think that's spot on, actually. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with Brad. And I think we kind of talked about it a little bit on the last pod is like um, FC Cincinnati's model and, you know, kind of how they're going to go. And I think Austin's going to do kind of similar, right? The Minnesota United model where it's it's not – it's just the opposite of Atlanta, right? It's supposed to be, it's it's geared more towards sustained growth rather than a flash in the pan. Not saying that Atlanta has proven to be a flash in the pan. They're still new, so we don't know yet, I guess. I agree with you all on, on Austin. I don't think they're going to be throwing around the cash money. I, I think part of it, too, is that, like, Precourt just isn't that wealthy. You know, he's not, he's obviously wealthy enough to own an MLS team. But Here he it was, is. He was, Here it is. Yeah, you're welcome. I, we're all you always got to find... I do. Freaking dollar menu Colin Johnson always You're has right. to find a way to call pre-court poor. Uh, yeah, I absolutely will. He has a pretend ownership group that includes uh, Matthew McConaughey, I think includes is, is more of a... Uh, I think I, I would not be surprised if... Okay, this I guess this, this is going to be a hot take. I wouldn't be surprised if they're paying Matthew McConaughey instead of uh, him being an owner. Um, but I doubt that. Hey, man, you never know. Dude, Matthew uh, McConaughey loves. I Austin. bet. I bet you there is an arrangement. It might not be. It might not be. Hey, here's half a million dollars. But I'm sure there is an arrangement. It may be you get to own part of this team for free. <laughs> right. Yeah. We'll definitely see. But okay, that's right. en- enough of Austin. Um, yeah. My prediction for them is. I mean, this roster isn't bad, but. It's not good either. Uh, I, I think they're certainly better than Cincinnati was their first year. I think they're better than the bottom of the league, but I, I think they're like, at best, they're going to compete for the 7-8 slot, and I think they'll miss the playoffs. All right. Uh, does anyone have any other questions about Austin or anything to add? I feel like Colin did a pretty good job since he named every player. <laughs> When's that stadium start? Uh, that's a good question. It's I think it's in, um, I think it's in May. Uh, it's not like ready yet. I think it's more or less ready, um, mm. but it's not ready exactly yet. Yeah, my last thing for them is I think they can have a successful season by just existing and having a new stadium. Yeah, yeah. That's all you need. That's a good point. Uh, June. All right. All right. It starts in June, which is a little bit later than I expected. All right. Well, we're gonna keep it rolling real quick uh, and move on to the Colorado Rapids. Davis, you wanna kick us off there? The Colorado Rapids will go this year as far as Cole Bassett lets them go. That is Davis's opinion. You heard it here a second. Um, this is a quick summary. All right, moving on. Oh, 
<laughs> no, so the the Crapids, as Brad likes to call them, they've been they Don't haven't do that done to Brad. They have, yeah, yeah. Them. that's a cringy bit. <laughs> that's Irre- just an MLS bit. Irregardlessly. <laughs> They haven't really made much of a splash, either transfers in or out. They did sign Michael Barrios, who still has, yeah, exactly, yeah, he still has some good years left in him. And that was kind of the Rapids' biggest issue going into this year, was where in the world goals were going to come from. They have their back line shored up. They have Kellen Acosta and Cole Bassett in midfield. I mean, they're, they have the talent and then the kind of sustainability, I guess. But the the real question was where the goals were going to come from. So signing Barrios, I think, helps relieve some pressure off of um, Diego Rubio and um, Andre. Shin, I don't know his last name, but it's Shinnyaski, something like that. That guy. The only other forward they have, basically, uh, if the Colorado Rapids can manage to get a couple of assists out of Cole Bassett, they're going to make the playoffs. I think they're I think they're they're a good team. They'll stick with that four three three. I mean, yeah, that's really kind of all I had on that. They haven't done much. It's just been slow and steady wins the race for Colorado the, the past couple of years. So um, they made the playoffs last year. Though with, with the addition of Barrios, there's no reason why they shouldn't finish fourth or third even, potentially. Probably not, but they could be fourth or fifth. But, yeah, I, I think they're going to make the playoffs. They're definitely a team that surprised me that they didn't do more in the offseason season. I know that they're not really tied to a European team, but their owner owns Arsenal and like a ton of other things. So it's not like he doesn't have money to have a network or anything, you know? So I was a little surprised they didn't do a lot. Maybe that's just me though. I like the Barrios signing like like Davis does. Uh, you know, I think I'm going to mention it when I talk about Dallas a little bit, but they were a playoff team and they, they were the team that got hit the hardest, at least games wise by COVID. You know, they only, they only played 18 games last year compared to like, I think the other lowest total was 21. So who knows? They could have won two of those games and gotten more points, more points per game or whatever, and been higher in the playoffs. I did. I guess I did forget to mention they, they tra- um, got rid of Kai Kamara. I guess that was one of their bigger outbound players, but yeah, again, I don't, I don't think they're going to, they're going to miss him. Kai Kamara, your MLS team's favorite cancer. That that Kai Kamara, I feel like every team he goes to, he causes problems. <laughs> Maybe no. I'm wrong about that, but no comment. Uh, <laughs> surprise. All right, we'll keep things rolling then. Right along, uh, we're moving actually to Dallas. So, Colin, you want to hit us up with FC Dallas? Yeah, I, I think the uh, the most important thing to know about Dallas as always is that they've got the best academy in MLS. Just to look at the players who are currently playing, who they've produced are Brian Reynolds, who they sold to uh, Roma last year, Reggie Cannon, who they sold to Boa Vista last year, Chris Richards, who is uh, playing pretty well with Borussia Mönchengladbach. And um, I think, I think that's where he is. Quick editor's note, Chris Richards does not play for Borussia Mönchengladbach. He plays for Hoffenheim. My bad. Um, maybe not. But is on loan from Bayern Munich, where he has gotten a little bit of time. Um, Weston McKinney, obviously, with uh, Juventus. Jesus Ferreira and Paxton Pomacall, who are on the team uh, with Tanner Tessman. Walker Zimmerman, who was Defensive Player of the Year last year. Like, It's a, it's a long list of, of very good players. Um, 
players in their academy. So that's that's what they, they rely on. You know, they're not going to bring in or out a lot of big players. But that said, they did bring in uh, Freddy Vargas, Pico Vargas, a uh, striker who will probably add some goals for them, uh, some much-needed goals in this coming year. Um, you know, they were they were right behind Colorado and did make the playoffs. Uh, but goals was another another issue. You know, I, almost every team, it seems like, has an issue scoring goals, and that was... That was Dallas's. Um, aside from uh, from Vargas, uh, no real big additions aside from uh, Paxton Pomacall, who can't have a worse health year than last year. Um, he only played five games last year. Um, so I, I think if he's able to get healthy, get close to 10 assists and five goals, that's going to be a huge help for them. Um, Tanner Tessman, godson to Davis's uh, mortal enemy. Um Dabo Swinney. Uh, Tessman's going to have an interesting year, too. He's He played in nine games last year and should play in. I, I would imagine he'll be either on the on the field for every match or, or even starting quite a few. Um, they still have Franco Jara, their leading scorer from last year. They've got Ricardo Pepe, a young player who's uh, going to score some goals. Um, I think he's like 18. Uh, so it's they've, they've got a lot of, uh, of sort of firepower returning and kind of Move it, getting more experience for another year. Um, they lost uh, a few players that are worth mentioning. Obviously, Brian Reynolds and Reggie Cannon are gone. Um, Brandon Cervania scored some goals for them last year, and he's out on loan this year. Um, Fafa Pico, a player I like uh, but never really seems to stick somewhere, is also um, has left the team. I think he's gone to Houston. Uh, and then, as, as Davis mentioned, mentioned, Michael Berrios. I like him a lot. He didn't score as many goals as you would want him to, um, but he's still really experienced in MLS and will do a lot of good, I think, for uh, for Colorado this year. Um, really help them attack. So the, the question, I think, to ask is, you know, Dallas was sixth last year. Are they going to be better than sixth? I, I think maybe. More, more than likely not, they're not better, but they're certainly not worse. Uh, they're going to be uh, somewhere between three and six in the playoffs. I don't think they're going to be the last seed, um, but I, I think they're going to find their way again and be there. Um, it just depends how long the Hunt family and Dallas fans want to just kind of being in this this zone of being having an insanely good academy that can sell players and reinvest that money but not really do much in the playoffs, which is where they've been for the last decade it's a good business model it's not a championship model but uh there's that um yeah no i yeah i could see dallas making the playoff i could easily see them missing the playoff i don't know if anyone else has any thoughts on dallas they want to chime in with who's gonna score they've got jesus Ferrer. i think he's gonna score goals uh freddie vargas is gonna score goals they've still got um they've still got their leading scorer from last year franco yara he's gonna score tanner testman uh they're gonna get some goals from paxton pomacall i I think it's gonna be like a bunch of guys with seven goals instead of you know one guy with 14 but i do i do think the goals will come all right well we'll keep this rolling right along so that we can keep this quick uh First time caller, Renee, you want to give us your Houston Dynamo analysis? What's up, guys? Don't forget to smash that like and subscribe button. You got to do it. Don't forget. All right, so y'all gave me uh, Houston. We'll start off with Houston first. Um, A quick note. They're going to be last in the West. So everything that I say, 
does not matter because they're going to be last in the West. So let's just that's spo- that's a spoiler alert. I think there's some interesting stuff going on for Houston this year. I really do. I think it looks like Tab finally has his players, whatever that ends up meaning. Um, but I think Tab is is finally trying to get what he wants. You know, they, I don't think there was a. It's been a fine off season. You know, they got Fafa, Joe. I think they're they're just going to be fine. What what'll be interesting to see is you know Tab has this like pressure slash press type of team or style i feel like that i don't know if houston has necessarily been able to deliver uh that well and it sounds like he's he's trying to trying to do that right i think uh fafa is going to be the guy who can who can press for him uh tim parker seems to be like an athletic dude i also love joe corona even though he's probably not as good as much as, as good as i love him but i think joe corona will be interesting in in their midfield i, I don't think they have a a splashy player i think they're they're going for a really big team sort of mentality which is again interesting and and we'll see if that'll succeed for tab they did lose ellis and and manetas and i don't think they really went out to to necessarily try and, and fix that or, or replace that but but again i think that's what what tab is is looking for i i like i said they're still going to be last so i don't really know if it's a failure if if they fail but I think they're giving Tab the the space to do what he what he can try to do this year. If anything, they'll probably be high tempo, fast, a lot of pressing. So I think it'll be it'll be fun to to see them play. They're still going to be just awful and be last. So, but we'll see. I know we we've had conversations about whether Tab has has been overhyped, not hyped enough, overhyped again. Uh, I think it'll be interesting to see what what we get out of this Houston team where he's been essentially been able to mold it for what he wants it to be. So that's, that's what I got for Houston. They're still going to be, I still think they're alive. Just out of curiosity for a little more explanation, are they going to be bad because they have defensive problems or bad because they're not going to score goals? A little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I just, I just don't know. I think, you know, with, with that pressing, you're, you're bound to get caught if you don't do it well, which is what I, may happen here i don't know i don't know if if they're going to be as fast as he needs them to be but um and i don't think they have a finisher to be honest with you i don't think they're i think clyde agrees they don't have a finisher they're not as fast i just don't know who's gonna realistically score for them but maybe it'll be darwin quintero maybe he'll he'll live up to to his own hype i don't know houston is still that like sleeping giant to me they've got a really cool stadium in downtown houston and you know, Houston is like one of the biggest metro areas in the country, and they've got a pretty average to below average academy. Like they're yeah. they're waiting for, and I know they're for sale. That so someone could buy the team and and say, guess what? We're going hard on investing in our academy like Dallas has, and we're not going to let Dallas take all the good players from Alabama anymore, like Tanner Tessman and Chris Richards. Um, and we're going to do it ourselves, <laughs> and we're going to get all the good players from East Texas, and you know, we're gonna we're gonna start it, but they haven't. Yeah. I don't know. It'll it'll be it'll be interesting for them for them to see. I just don't know. I don't know if he's gonna be able to do anything this year. Which is, I feel like a lot of my maybe it's just teams in general, but I feel like a lot of my teams are in that um, tread water this year type of mode, especially in my next one. That's a little teaser for you. Spoiler so, alert. That's a teaser, the- not a spoiler. 
now that the tip has been teased, uh, let's move to the next team. Renee, do you want to tell us about the Galaxy? What's up, guys? I'm going to need y'all to hit that like button for this, hey, for this preview. I have a question real quick. Oh, my Correct. Lord. How yeah. come yeah. LA Galaxy comes before LAFC? Oh, gross. Number one. Yeah. Uh, we will Number two, FC. respect your elders, you freaking young yeah. boy. We'll put That's FC why. ahead of them when they are not the inferior LA team. When, anyway, That's right. moving on. Galaxy, continue. Garbage LAFC. If, if y'all, if, if, oh, sorry, sorry. FCC, SEC, whichever one you want to find me, go ahead. I'll pay the fine. I'm going to have to mute myself when Davis goes. I'm just telling you guys right now. <laughs> so the galaxy um this is brutal i have a lot of notes from when i was writing this last night so i'm gonna try and not do all of that i'm gonna try and be the anti colin johnson uh and, and keep it brief here so uh a few things number one i'll start off with obviously there's a lot of it's a really awful terrible disgusting situation that Bob, that they are in with Bavon. so i'll get that out of the way first for multiple reasons, they gotta they gotta let that go, right? Pavon is is going through the legal uh, the legal process in Argentina. He's been accused of sexual assault and rape. Um, again, you know that that process is is going through, but everything sounds awful, and it sounds like there was. It sounds like he probably probably did what he's been accused of. So. Regardless of that, I think the Galaxy has... The Galaxy, even if they're not good, I feel like they still hold a certain place in the MLS where they hold a lot of power culturally, MLS-wise. Um, and I think this is one of those where I think they should do the right thing uh, and, and get rid of Pavon. I think that would say a lot for, for the league uh, and for the team as well. So I, I hope that's, that's what they do. So we'll, I'll go with that one. we got to believe... Got to believe accusers. Got to be, got to give them, you know, a lot of support. So we got to let uh, just cut ties with Pavone. So now that that's is Pavone one of the DPs for the Galaxy? I believe he is. Um, yeah, I believe he is, and we spent a, a good amount of. He's a ten million dollar player, if I remember correctly. Or no, he will be a ten million dollar player if if they continue the the process. Okay. Well, yeah. stupid question, and I'm not sure anyone's going to have an answer. If, as you're saying, the Galaxy decide to release Pavone, do they get automatically get that DP spot opened back up, or are they stuck kind of with out that question. DP slot? I don't know. I know they have another one open, um, okay. so I don't know if they would. I think they do. Am I making that up? I think they have another one open, but... Are you just garbering yourself extra DP slots? Is that be. what's happening? How many DPs do you guys have? What? Just Cheech? one, right? Gio Dos Santos, Jonathan Dos Santos. Oh, I forgot Jonathan. Gio is... Gio's... No. And okay. Alessandrini, you have three. Oh, how dare you? How dare you? You know he's not there. I love him. He's not there anymore. <laughs> I love Alessandrini. Right. No, I think Sorry. they have one. Sorry yeah. to derail your Galaxy analysis. That's I all right. Was curious. That's all right. So... To the team itself, you know, it's going to be unfortunate when the highlight of the season is going to be the jersey. I'll start it off there. You know, the, the jersey, there have been a few that have been great this season. I think the Galaxies is, I got that West Coast bias. I think the Galaxies jersey is incredible. I, I think they took a really awesome old school design and made it cool for 
twenty twenty one for all the for all the youngins like Davis. It, but again, I think it's going to be rough when that's the the highlight highlight of our season. Um, one thing that I kind of appreciate uh, when we talk about big signings is they brought in Greg Vanny as their coach. It's it's almost opposite of what the Galaxy do when going for signings. I feel like Greg Vanny isn't a splashy signing. I, you know, I, when I think of what the Galaxy historically does, uh, which in this case I appreciated. Right, I think Greg Vanny still has enough in there. I think he and the uh, close can do a, a good amount of stuff this year, but uh, so I like, I like that signing. I think that unsurprisingly is probably their biggest signing of, of the off season that says both a lot and not enough, but I think he's, he's their biggest signing. I think overall, kind of like what I said with Houston, I have to give them this year to figure out what the hell they're doing, both Vanny and the close because I'd be foolish to think that they're all of a sudden going to be in the top of, of the West. That's just not going to happen. I will say, right, some of the holes that they had were defensive holes. They went out and tried to fix those. I'll give him that. I'll give, I'll give the, the front office that they're, that they're trying to, to do something well. I think the Victor Vasquez signing was a smart signing. Not necessarily a smart on-the-field signing, but I think he's going to be a quality bridge between what Greg Vanny wants to do uh, and is respected enough, especially by MLS players, uh, that he will be able to be that good bridge uh, in in the locker room. I know I, I I talk about what locker room presence can do on teams sometimes. So I think this I think this is a good good signing uh, in that sense. And I mean, I know he's thirty four, so he's what a year older than me. So I can't talk him like talk about him like an ancient man. Maybe he still has some of those legs in there. You know, we got the two of the big big holes that we were looking to fill. Uh, we got Viafania and we got uh, James Bond, 007 himself, to be in the goal. He looked really, really good last night, actually. You know, it was an empty stadium, but it looked like he had a really good control of the backfield, which is nice to see, uh, which was sometimes disappeared in, in our in our goals, in our goalies. I, I'm, I'm going all over the place, so I'm, gonna, I'm just going to slow it down. For DP-wise, again, I know we've said in our last one, who who's even out there? From from a DP splash, uh, we'll see in the summer. I am incredibly excited for Julian Araujo and Efrain Alvarez. I think those two dudes are. When we talk about academy players, we talk about homegrown players. I think these two dudes are on the are on the precipice of something potentially great. I think they keep getting better and better. It's rough to see them floundering a little bit on the galaxy sometimes, but. I think Araujo is awesome. Efrain Alvarez has a lot of hype. I mean, there are a lot of people that like this dude, right? Tata likes him. Berhalter likes him. Zlatan, who doesn't like anyone, went out of his way to hype up this dude when he was there. So there are enough people that like Efrain Alvarez uh, and Araujo. So I think they're going to be... I, I'm really excited for them. Uh, Cheech, Colin Sphere, Mexican player. Cheech is killing the social media influencer game, right? He's all over Instagram talking about how you know, this is the year he's prepping. This is the year he's going to make it, you know, make them win. We've heard it all before. We'll see where it goes. Um, but I think he needs to he needs to uh, to step it up. And obviously, I love Dubois, so he's going to be great. Best case scenario, the Galaxy squeak in into a playoff spot, into that seven. That's best, absolute best case scenario. Uh, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think that they're going to take this year, figure out what they're going to do, and try to hopefully... Hopefully put a good foot forward for, for the next year. But I think the success of this year will just be Araujo and, and Alvarez improving. Because I, I, those, those two dudes can be great. And I think that Galaxy fans 
and MLS fans maybe witnessing something special with those two dudes. I really do. So I, I am very excited for those guys. Two questions, Renee. One yeah. is Araujo finally going to be an outside back like he's supposed to be, or are they going to keep trying to play him as a winger? I hope they don't try playing him as a winner. Winger, we'll see. We'll see. I think his national team stuff is going to help, but we'll see. Yeah. Second question uh, is: Is the Giovinco signing before the season starts, or is that in the summer? When, That's probably the summer. Okay. That's probably the summer, and I'll be cranky about it. Sure. But that's probably in the summer. Uh, uh, I have one quick question. Uh, does Chicharito hit double digits in goals? In Instagram post in a day? Yes, he does. He will get at least 11 <laughs> Instagram stories, reels, uh, whatever you want to call it, faux show in a day. Uh, will he get 11 goals? Jeez. I don't know. I don't know. He kind of uh, needs to for them to be successful, right? Uh, like, yes and no. I don't. Yes and no. I mean, you got the boy, right? You got the boy who who's gonna probably be gonna gonna be set up to do that. I don't know if he if he's gonna the be brace able to. boy. Currently, uh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think he, he. I hope, but I don't know. All right, Davis. Do you have any quick thoughts, or do you want to move on to your team? Oh, I'm just excited to talk about the real team. Well, in LA. I will say, Renee, if you guys can get Giovinco and he's a tan player, that's a good signing. Yeah. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. I think there's a lot of potential here. I, I do. There's potential. There's, and this is just me drinking the Kool Aid, right? I think there's a good amount of potential for this team. I think that they been in that garbage cellar or basement or whatever. I think there's there's a lot of potential for these dudes. The the lineup itself isn't terrible. I just don't know what. Then you look at like Sasha questions still on it, right? So. And I, I love Sasha's mustache, but come on. And these and and the players that you're expecting to be creative in the middle are just getting older, right? Johnny Two Saints is just getting older and older, right? And just getting slower. You can't expect this dude to run all over the place like he has in the past. So we'll see. We'll see. I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. If they can sneak into that seventh spot, I'll call it. I'll call it a victory. Well, Renee, why don't you hit smash that mute button? Because it's time to talk about. LAFC. The real team in Davis. LA. It makes sense for Davis, who's been a fan of 69 420 teams, to call LA the real team, LAFC to call the real team in LA. I'm not muting myself, so let's. Didn't they Davis. beat y'all like 6 0 oh, once or twice? What are you talking about? You should, anyway. you should come in with some facts. Give me some data before being like, oh, <laughs> didn't, they, uh, didn't they one time wear a jersey? They've always worn kits, not jerseys. Anyway, give us your analysis. um, LAFC, the biggest highlight for them is uh, Carlos Vela's back. Yawn. Hopefully he's healthy. And I say hopefully because he's really, really fun to watch whenever he's good. Subscribers, feel free to push through 10 minutes on your preview. (laughs) You can skip right over this. With Vela and Rossi, LAFC will still be scoring goals. Um, the biggest issue, I think, for them was shoring up their back line. Um, they got back Jesus David Murillo, who paired up with uh, Eddie Segura. And then they signed a South Korean international right back, Kim Moon-Hwan. And I, uh, he's young, but like uh, he apparently is like, he's been playing for the South Korea U23 team for a while. 
and he, he's a, apparently one of their up-and-coming internationals. So that that could be a pretty pretty good signing for them. But jury's still out on that. What's there to say about LAFC? Like other than they're gonna score goals and they're gonna give up goals. I don't think they had much in the way of transfers. They got oh they, they signed um Corey Baird as well. Uh, and then they drafted Cal Jennings, who scored 46 goals in 64 games for Central Florida. And then he scored one goal every other game in his time in the USL. So just more attacking prowess for them. No, I, I mean, really, like, I, not, not to, you know, I, we joke about tr- trolling um, the Galaxy and Renee, but like, Really, LAFC, I mean, if Vela's healthy, they're going to be a force, a true force. I mean, it, it, with him and Rossi, like, I'm, I'm, it just is what it is. They're going to, they're going to score an insane amount of goals. If, if they use Vela, if Bob Bradley uses him properly and kind of doesn't push him too hard, then LAFC could be probably a top two team in the conference. If Vela gets hurt, I don't know. I, I think they're good. If Vela gets hurt, it, they they could fall. They could be middle middle of the table, if not sixth. So those are my thoughts on LAFC. Is their season a failure if they don't win the MLS Cup? I think it always is for them, right? Isn't that their brand? Aren't they supposed to be the? I mean, right? Because it can't the, be your brand until you do it. I think it's technically I, I agree, the Galaxy's fair. brand. Fair, no, that's what like their their whole thing. Not to you know, piss off every LFC fan, but. Their thing is really like Galaxy 2.0, right? Their thing is, hey, remember the glory days? Let's do that again. And I don't know. I it, I, I think it is. I think if they, it, especially if Vela is healthy, then there there are no excuses. Is Blessing still on the squad? Yes. Yeah, he he's really good. He's the player when Seattle plays him, plays the LAFC. He's the player I'm always the most terrified of. Like, even when Velo was at the peak of his powers, what, two seasons ago? It was always blessing that I was like, where is he on the field? Like, what is he doing? I don't know if anyone else feels that way, but he's terrifying to Guess me. how old he is. Uh, 28. 24. Uh, yeah. Go go um, to Europe, please. Another thing on LAFC, I, and I can't, I've been trying to figure it out, but I think... I think they might have another DP slot available. Yeah. So if LAFC wanted to, they could do something. Where's Brian Rodriguez going to go? Is he going to stay with Almira? Almira, yeah. They're like, apparently, what I was reading is there's like some like specific metrics and thresholds, right? And I think he's already met those. So it like gets triggered automatically. I think, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure he can wave it if he doesn't want to or i mean, you know there, there's one of those but I, I think it's out of the club's hands or mls's hands at this point and it's I, unfortunate i think they've got Brian space is good i think they've got space to both sign a dp an overage dp or a regular age dp and to add one of the u22 young money dps uh will they Young i don't money. know i don't know and I, I do think i think you guys are all right with your thoughts on what constitutes a failure or success of a season and and they're like in season four now. So they're kind of running out of their extra game and they're going to have to get creative. They're, they're hitting the wall that uh, Atlanta hit when they sold Amiron and it's going to be tough and they're going to have to figure it out and see if they can keep being competitive. But 
I imagine they will. I feel like you got to win for 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 LAFC, right? And again, this is coming as a Galaxy fan, right? The thing that they that they continue to hold over the Galaxy, which I which I get, right? Especially until last season as a Lakers as as a Lakers fan, right? You you go with well, what have you won lately, right? So as a Lakers fan, I experienced that as. Uh, what I'm experiencing as a Galaxy fan, right? We can point to our five cups and, and be like, okay, cool. When was the last time you bought? You won one, right? Which was law school for, for us. So the LAFC can point to... That 6-0 right, win, victory. Winning, the, winning the, um, the rivalry games, all of that. But what does that do for you? Nothing. It, it does nothing for you, right? Well, you, uh, it, they're, they're like... The Revs can get away with... I almost cursed again with pooping the bed uh, in the playoffs because that's their thing, right? But they've been around forever. They're not going to get any hotter than they are. You're expecting I, – I, I don't expect – I hope as an MLS fan that LAFC doesn't lose fans when they are no longer as good. I do as an MLS fan. I really do. Because it's the same thing when, when we went to Minnesota – Minnesota FCs, as much as I can talk crap about another Western team, it's really cool to go into stadiums and see new MLS fans, right? A lot of those LAFC fans are those Clippers, Warriors, Chivas USA, Los Angeles Angels fans, right? That just go in where something is hot and exciting, right? So they need to win. You, they don't care. These people don't care about a galaxy rivalry. We work ourselves in the shoots over this rivalry more than LAFC does because we've been around forever, right? We've been around since 96. We played at the Cal State Fullerton like gym to get a game going. We played in random U.S. Open Cup games, right? So, so we work ourselves in the shoots over this rivalry. LAFC needs to win to keep those fans. I'm hoping they do something as an MLS fan, as a Galaxy fan. I hope they burn. I hope they burn. <laughs> I think that's a good point, Renee. Um, you know, just I think Atlanta to me is the comparison. You know, that's that's sort of the expansion model, I guess, if you want to say that that LAFC did, where they spent a lot of money. Atlanta is going into year five. I think LA is going into year four. And Atlanta lost a bunch of games last year, and they got lucky, in my opinion, that it was in the middle of a pandemic and they didn't have to worry about their fans. Mm-hmm. What's what's going to happen if they if Atlanta does that two years in a row? If LA FC, you know, Vela's getting older. What happens when he's out for a year and then the next year it takes him half a season to get healthy? What happens when when you your biggest selling point is that you can wake up, roll out of your bed, and you're in LAFC Stadium, mm-hmm. and then no one shows up because you guys are garbage? Yeah. At least, say what you will about our 12-mile stadium that's away from downtown LA, but we still get fans there, even when we're garbage. All right. I think... We've probably hit both of the LA teams pretty sufficiently for right now. Uh, to keep things rolling, let's move on to Minnesota United. Colin. Yet another team that is uh, just made up of old crew players, uh, but that's fine. Minnesota made the Western Conference Finals last year and was within like 15 minutes of traveling to Columbus to get the privilege of losing to the crew in the championship. Um, <laughs> All right, enough. <laughs> But uh, Seattle did the Seattle thing where they like are bad for the first half of the season. It was like all of Seattle in one game. They were bad for the first half, and then the second half they're like, okay, we care now. And they like won. really bad, not just like sort of bad. Very that first bad. half was just a turd. Yeah. Uh, no comment. I, I think the uh, 
the biggest standout player from that and from the second half of Minnesota season last year was Reynoso. I, he f- coming over from Boca Juniors, he was so good, and he just slotted right in with MLS. I, I think I think he's an MVP candidate for me right now. The problem is I don't know who's going to score any of their goals. Like we've mentioned with every team, you know they've got this. I think they've got Minnesota has one of the best creative midfielders in the entire league and a young player. And how are they going to score goals? Who knows. To add to that, so last year, I know this is another crew thing, the, the leading scorer in the MLS playoffs last year was Kevin Molino, and he is now gone, uh, left, went to the crew. Kai Kamara's gone, but that's not a big deal. Aaron Schoenfeld, same thing. So then, like I said, where, where are they going to get goals? Uh, they did have another signing of an older player from, I believe it's also Boca, please correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Juancho Babila. Uh, that's a pretty interesting one. He was scoring goals in Argentina, but he's like, you know, he's in his 30s, so he's not going to be able to play every game. Um, but if he can add five, six, seven, eight goals, I, I think that's going to be a big, a big grab for them. Um, and maybe he's someone that plays well with Reynoso too. Uh, the other, the other kind of big additions they made are Patrick Wea, who is uh, Tim Wea's cousin. He's a homegrown signing, 17 years old. I wouldn't expect a ton from him this year, but. He's going to get, you know, probably probably one or two starts. He's going to get quite a few sub appearances and maybe, maybe toss in a goal this year. Uh, that'd be interesting to see. Uh, they brought in Juan Agudelo, who is another one of those guys who it's always, you know, every team it seems like is, is finally the place where he's going to catch on. He's still somehow not 30, uh, despite having played for half of MLS and I think a few teams in, in the Netherlands. Um, but he's... I think by now he's he's who he is. He's going to look good, but he's never going to be able to finish. Nico Hansen, another former crew player. Uh, he's okay. He left Houston. Uh, there's a reason he's on his third team in like three years. Yuka Raitala, an outside back they brought in, who can also play center back. Um, another former crew player. He's a, he's a good signing. He's a league average to slightly above average outside back. And then a average to below average but replace, replacement level center back. So I think, I think those will be some interesting signings. And then the, the final piece that I think is either going to be a hit or a swing and a miss is uh, former crew captain Will Trapp. Trapp lost, uh, sort of lost his place with the crew as soon as... Uh, Greg Berhalter left despite playing with his college coach and Caleb Porter. Trapp really found his way in MLS as a almost like a copy of Pirlo, like a poor man's Pirlo, playing that really deep lying six position and dictating play from that deep lying spot. He can hit a long field pass or cross field pass better than almost anyone in the world, but that's not really that valuable right now. His defense is shoddy. His uh, his ball possession in a press isn't ideal. You know, it's not bad, but he's not gonna he's not gonna turn your head. So if LA or excuse me, if Minnesota is gonna put him in this number six position where he gets to drop in, I think that'll be successful. But if they're expecting him to be an eight, you know, that's that's not gonna work. Maybe Ozzy Alonso can cover for him defensively, but Ozzy Alonso is getting really old and was pretty hit or miss last year too. I think another another one where the question is, are they better than last year? I think, are they better in the whole season? Yes. Uh, they had a great run in the playoffs, but how much of that was due to luck? They finished fourth last year. I think that's about where they'll be this year. They're going to make the playoffs, but they might be fourth. They might be seventh. Um, they might have to wait till decision day to make it in. 
but if, if Reynoso looks as good this year as he did last year, they've got a chance to, to sneak into the playoffs, to get there comfortably, and maybe even to, uh, to uh, find themselves in MLS Cup. All right. Does anyone have anything else they want to add about Minnesota? No, it'll be cool. That's a team that, as much as crap as we give them, it'll be cool to see when fans can get back into that stadium. I think that'll be really neat. Yeah, I feel like they have a really, really good fan base. I also think they're going to be pretty good still. I think that Reynosa is just very creative that even though they don't have necessarily the defined goal scorer they had, he's going to put people into positions to succeed. Um, So I still think they, they definitely have chance to score goals. So I think they're going to be a fun team as much as I dislike them, but I will keep the ball rolling. And uh, well, let, I'm... Me, let me jump in real oh, quick. Yeah. I Go think ahead. something interesting to mention while we're kind of in the middle here is the, the way that the schedules are working this year, there's still, the league is still going to be a 34 game schedule, but every team is only playing two teams from the other conference for so two total games outside your conference, one home, one away. Which I think is, I personally love. I wish, to an extent, I wish MLS would sort of treat the West and East like totally separate entities and make the Western Conference Championship a big deal, make the Eastern Conference Championship a big deal, get rid of Supporter Shield and have these two smaller trophies and then the playoffs are where they come together, sort of like two separate leagues. But I think it's going to be really fascinating how how separate these leagues are. So you've, you're going to have a team who... No one's really going to be hurt by their cross-conference their cross conference games. It's, it's going to be a lot more self-contained so you're looking basically for the older mlb model where yeah we exactly never played each other until exactly. the championship gotcha all right. all right well uh like i said we're gonna move on to the next team and because i'm not a coward i'm gonna do to go to Miami, my team's uh biggest biggest rival uh the portland timbers uh so i'll just jump in real quick i think the biggest thing for portland right off the bat is Big return of injured players. Last year, we saw Portland win MLS is back. They looked like a really good team. And then Sebastian Blanco got injured and they kind of fell apart. So he's coming back this year. He's pretty critical for them going forward. I think that something that I didn't really put together, but doing more research on Portland is they might have the most diverse scoring like team in MLS. They have a ton of players who score goals. They last year, I think, had three, maybe four players who had at least six or seven goals. Um, I could see them having two players with double digit goals this year. They also have a pretty good change up in their forwards in that, you know, uh, Ibobase is a completely different forward than their other forwards. Well coached, so they know how to mix it up for matchups so i think they're going to be really good this year and i don't want to say that but uh if we're being honest they're probably i think top of the west um i think they just have an insanely good offense and they're just going to score goals um and i'm not sure there's a lot of other mls teams in the west or maybe even the east that can keep pace with them when they're on yeah, so let's see. They had a really bad exit in the playoff last year to Dallas. They lost. So that's like motivation coming into this year. It, like I said, it seemed like things were clicking until the Blanco injury. They also get back, I'm going to really mispronounce this, uh, Niaz Gatto. Uh, he also had an ACL injury. And then they added uh, Claudio Bravo uh, to help shore up the defense, which I think will help because one of the big issues for them last year was 
they would jump out to like a two nothing lead and then fall apart at the end of the game. Um, so I think adding Claudio Bravo is going to help them there. I think they'll be able to better hold on to their leads. Uh, their losses are Marco Farfan, uh, Jorge Villafana, and Julio Cascante. Yeah, I kind of already alluded to it real quick. Uh, they're definitely, I think, probably the top team in the West. I see them, you know, I think MLS Cup or bust for them is kind of the goal. My only real concern for them is depth on defense. They have kind of a shakier defense, but they score a lot. So I don't know how that's really going to play out. And if they have like an injury thing go on, it, it could be really bad. Um, according to transfermarket.us, they're actually the second oldest club in all of MLS. So we'll definitely see how that works out for them. They also kind of have an early start. They're in the uh, CONCACAF Champions League. So they have a game on April 6th against uh, CD Marathon. Uh, so that's going to be a good test for them. We'll see kind of how they are. Um, and just a quick run through it there. I found this really weird because I totally forgot, but their DPs are Blanco, uh, Chara, but not the Chara you're thinking of. It's his younger brother, Yimmy Chara, uh, and then Nizgato. Um, so pretty interesting team. I don't know. Does anyone want to jump in real quick? I think they're going to be good. I think they might be the most potent offensive team in MLS this year. I'm interested to see how Ibobase reacts to being left off of this U23 Olympic qualifying team. Uh, they're, they, that team really needs goals, and they don't have them right now, and Ibobase really would have helped. But it seems like he might have been nursing an injury that they left him out just so he can get healthy more than left him out for um, for personnel reasons, but no idea. Yeah, and it definitely could be one of those things, too, where you just, like, don't know with how a player's going to react. He could come out and take this as motivation and be kind of a world beater for Portland, or he could be in a funk because he's mad that, you know, he wasn't on that U23 team. I think for Portland, they're obviously hoping uh, for the former. Um, yeah, I think it's just going to be an injury thing with Portland. Like I said, they're the second oldest team. Columbus Crew's the oldest. I think, you know, when you have older teams like that, your biggest concern is injuries. But, you know, hopefully Blanco is kind of eased in after his ACL injury. Uh, same with Niazgato. Uh, I think if both of them are kind of eased in and show what they did, I think they're a very competent team. They're well-coached. They're going to be good. I still think it's weird that Yimmy Chara makes more than his brother, who, like everyone, when you say Chara, you think of his brother. So that's uh, the Portland summary. Does anyone have anything else they want to chime in real quick? Or No, they're right. going to be well, good. Sorry, Brad. They're going to be really good. No, it's fine. I mean... I think they have a really good front office. I feel like they often fill needs well. And I mean, they've obviously you know been a good team for a while. So, I, 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 yep, that as well. But you know what? I'm sorry. This might be a little bit of a tangent, but I just want to point out that we've, we've kind of talked about these like Atlanta and Minnesota models lately, or Cincinnati models, however we're kind of, you know, coining them. But really, Portland as an expansion team is by far the most successful. Really? Because Seattle's never missed the playoffs. So, how about you settle down over there? <laughs> the Fire won MLS Cup in their first season, you ding-dongs. Yeah, I was going to say, Chicago Fire. didn't. Wasn't Bob Bradley the coach of that team as well? Yeah, he was. 
which is I remember that coming up a lot with LAFC's first season. They're like, can he do it again? And the, then he didn't. They just so. called the Polish national team, and they got the whole Polish national team to play for Chicago and won the cup. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Portland uh, is the model to follow. Seattle sucks. Cool. I forgot that at one point you were a Timbers fan. Also, shout out to Jordan. Uh, he helped me a little bit with this analysis, and he actually listens. So uh, <laughs> he's a big time Timbers fan, but he also hates yeah, the Sounders, Jordan. So yeah. weird that we're friends. Uh, anyway, we'll keep this rolling so that we don't waste anyone's time. Uh, let's move on to Real Salt Lake. Davis. All right. Real Salt Lake. Let's go ahead and get it out of the way. They are. T- they're going to be bad. They're going to be terrible. They are a hot diggity mess, you know, just to touch on the ownership thing. They still don't have an owner. We'll see. MLS swears that they're not moving them. MLS swears they're going to get it done. But um, ever since MLS took over the sale, it seems like things just kind of sputtered. So, Colin, you look like you have something to say on that? No, it seems like the guy who bought the Jazz is going to buy them. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But Hanson was, like, actively preventing him from doing it out of spite or something. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah, I I saw that, and and they were, they're, like, continued plans, but, like, they're, they're, yeah, they're, they're, there's, uh, seem to be some hang-ups, um, but... Hopefully it gets done. Like you said, yes, the guy that owns the Jazz. So that, that'd be nice to, to have that kind of continuity there. As far as on the field, uh, we already talked about Corey Baird going to LAFC. So uh, there's a little bit of some, not, not necessarily a goal, but that, that threat going forward, right, is kind, of, is kind of gone. They signed Justin Glad to a, a contract extension. Um, and then they signed 24-year-old Rubio Rubin. Which again, you know, will Ruben kind of replace, will fill that void that Baird left to an extent, but also to what extent was the hole that Baird left that significant for this, you know, maybe for this team, but again, they're, 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 they're going to be terrible. Beckerman's gone. RIP, the greatest MLS player in the history of the universe next to Wando. They've been linked with Bobby Wood. <laughs> who, if you believe all of the RSL people, is 100% coming in the summer. I thought he was playing for FC Cincinnati. That was a joke. Irregardlessly. Onyua, the um, also left. So, again, RSL in transition. They'll still run that 4-3-3, trying to, with Ruben on the wing, um, Everton Louise in the middle. And Gladden Herrera anchoring their center halves. So RSL, boring, need an owner, do something. They, they, they've apparently approached some uh, midfielder from Corinthians. But again, yeah, they can't do anything. They don't have an owner. What are they going to do, guys? Mateus. Mateus, that's right. Mateus Vital. RSL, they're going to be terrible. Hopefully they can find a direction with an owner and... Kyle Beckerman comes back as coach and wins the league. There are at least three teams for sale, at least, and uh, Salt Lake is the least sexy of those three. Houston and um, Orlando both being more attractive options, in my opinion. Salt Lake should just just move to Detroit. (laughs) I don't know. Rio Tinto is, like, a pretty cool stadium, so... 
Give him, I'll give him that. Ford Field? Yeah, I've been to Detroit. It's Ford Field, Milwaukee really, Light. Ford Field, oh, really cool. We have buildings in Detroit. Really cool on the inside, Ford Field. Really cool on the inside. Yes, exactly. Outside, what is what this? is it? <laughs> it's a warehouse. A, We're going into a, a warehouse to watch a football, football game. Yeah, we've all, right. all this stuff out. Sorry. <laughs> no, we're good. All right, uh, let's just keep it rolling then uh, to kind of wrap up. We only have four teams left, so let's do uh, the Galaxy's biggest rival, the San Jose Earthquakes. They're gonna be garbage. <laughs> all right, they're gonna be on. garbage. A uh, few notes for San Jose. They're Almeida, just fantastic hair, right? The Best hair, best hair in the game. It's it's a problem when your biggest news of the offseason is that Wando's coming back. They had this big old social media hype, like, we got big news tomorrow. The biggest news the Quakes have ever had. And it's Wando's back for one more year. So, cool. Con- con- congratulations. You mean MLS's uh, all-time leading scorer, Chris Congratulations uh, He's a- for that. He's the Tim Wakefield of MLS. He's hey, just hey, going to do hey, one hey. one year deals for all hey. of eternity. You you put some respect on Tim Wakefield's oh, name. Oh my god! I'm, I'm not hating. That was a compliment. Tim okay. Wakefield did it for a long time. May Tim Wakefield ever be in the same stratosphere as as Wando? As Wando? <laughs> I think Tim Wakefield. Tim Wakefield won has a couple a of World Cy Series, Young. bro. Yeah. Yeah. Has all he right. ever scored anyway. a goal? I don't think so. Yeah. Has he ever scored a goal? <laughs> Can he do it in a snowstorm? We don't know. <laughs> Can he do it in, in a garbage San Jose? Who's to say? Ooh, that rhymed. Good job. Uh, Almeida brought in some two dudes to, that he's played that has played under him. Cool. I, I mean, it's just it's just boring. Boring off season. They're gonna suck. Congratulations. Let's not waste more time. Any questions? <laughs> All right. I. <laughs> Any questions? Better DPs. Any rebuttals? Chris Wondolowski, DP number one. Chris Wondolowski, DP <laughs> number two. Chris Wondolowski, DP number three. Let's go! All right, we're off the rails here. They've got uh, Jackson Yule, who Greg Berhalter likes, but I do not see it with him. He no. seems to me like a kind of slow and old-school, boring six who can't pass as well as World Trap, but I guess it can cover more ground. I don't see it. I don't. Well, I think Chris is going to keep it moving per Renee's own request. So next team, uh, last year's Western Conference champion, Seattle Sounders. Uh, I have them. I'm going to keep this short because I'm not enthused about them at all. Uh, So I guess the biggest thing for them is consistency, really, of the team and coaching staff. They re-signed your favorite dentist, uh, Schmenzer, to coach again. So that'll be fun. He's, you know... He's the perfect coach for Seattle. He, you know, played for them when they were a USL team. He's been around. He gets Seattle. He's just been great for them. I mean, all their success has come since he took over, I think, minus a supporter shield. So it's huge that they re-signed him. It was weird that it took that long. I'm sure there was a lot of things kind of hanging in the balance. But uh, so that's big. Uh, biggest issue for them is they're, they're pretty cap-strained. Um, They don't have a lot of money to do anything. So with that, they're bringing up a lot of players from their, uh, I believe it's called Tacoma Defiance, which is their like USL affiliate. So they're bringing up some players through there. They also re-signed Ladero, which I think is massive for them to keep him. 
you know, for a long time, Ladera was the best 10 in MLS. I don't know if that's still true. There are a lot of really good 10s now in MLS, but Ladera was first, so uh, we we invented it. Um, so Gaines, Brad Smith's back. He kind of came back last year for the playoff push. Um, it's really good to have him. He's a solid outside back. He works well with Seattle system. They brought in Kellen Rowe, and then they brought in Jimmy Mandranda from Nashville, and they brought in the ghost of Freddie Montero. So they got that going for him. I was waiting for uh, a Montero reference. Hey, you know, we're going to kick it like it's 2013. Actually, I don't even think he was on the team in 2013. It'd be more like 2009. <laughs> Biggest loss, Chris Henderson. I already mentioned this when I did the Miami preview. Um, he was their head of scouting. He really good. He brought in Ladero. He brought in uh, Jao Paulo. He brought in Rio Diaz. He's an excellent scout. Uh, he's well-connected in South America. I Hopefully they have a good replacement for him, um, but we'll see. Uh, they also lost Jovan Jones, uh, Gustav Svensson. I, they just chose not to re-sign Gustav. It's a little weird. He's been such a critical part of Seattle for the past couple years, uh, but he's getting older. Uh, they also lost Jordan Morris. He was out on loan. Technically, he'll be back this year. I don't know if they play him. He's obviously coming off a very serious knee injury. I hope that they just don't play him. Uh, also, fun fact, uh, Jordan Morris is 26. So that's kind of surprising. I thought he was younger than that. He He's getting old. Uh, so oh, yeah. this could be a lot worse than his last knee injury in which he came back and was much better. Uh, but speedy recovery, you're hoping the best for him for the U.S. national team and just him in general. He seems like a nice guy. He got a dog and didn't go to Germany. They also lost Buana and Torres. So some of their depth on the back line. I think for Seattle, the biggest thing for me is that uh, the young Roldan continues the breakout he had in the MLS playoffs. Uh, they moved him from a midfielder to an outside back, and he was really solid. Um, I think if he continues that, that's like really good, and it mitigates some of the losses they've had. The good news about Seattle is their spine is all DPs in Ruiz Diaz, Ladero, and Paulo. As so, they have a good spine. I don't think they're going to be great. I don't think they're going to win the West. I think they're going to be middle to bottom playoff team in the West. They're they're not getting any younger. They're like the third oldest team, so in MLS. And they're cap strained, so I don't see a lot of a lot of things happening for them. So, uh, anyone have anything they want to try in for Seattle, or can we just keep it rolling? I think Seattle's um, gonna be a lot better than you think, Brad. Yeah, same. I think you're really, I think you're really, really down on on Seattle. I think that they may not have the depth, but who, who did they add depth. though? Nobody. Yeah, that that's my big thing right now is that. Jordan Morris was, I believe, their second leading scorer last year. Someone want to live fact check me on that so I don't look like an idiot again. It's um, probably right. Will Bruin is still there. He comes in off the bench and is dope. I love that role for him. He's going to start this um, year. Yeah, he might. Yeah. And that's... Uh, I don't think he will. I think they called up a couple of their young players. Okay. But the problem with this is they called in some of their young players last year and they, they just didn't do a lot. Like, they've been really good for Tacoma Defiance. Like, Tacoma Defiance is one of the better, you know, USL teams, or has been. Um, they have a good academy. It's just, I, I haven't seen a lot of those players pan out when they get their MLS reps. Maybe they just need more minutes. It, it could definitely be that. I mean, they were battling against some very senior players who have been good for a long time. 
and they weren't just getting the MLS reps. Maybe this year we see those players get MLS reps and it's better than I think. But, um, you know, I think the big thing they have going for them is consistency. I'm not very optimistic. Uh, I think maybe the crew broke me last year and I, God, I hope this is the last time we talk about the crew. Uh, I think Colin should have to give us a dollar every time he mentions someone who played for the crew. Excuse nope. me, oh, I cursed. Sorry, Colin. Maybe every team in the entire country shouldn't be signing all the old crew players. I'm pretty sure Renee stepped on the pitch at Crew Stadium so we can call him a former crew player True. by <laughs> Colin's I am, metric. I, I burned the, the roof of my mouth on a nice little square pizza, so that makes me a former crew player. Donato's baby. <laughs> all right, uh, we got burned. two teams left, so let's, let's keep it rolling. Let's go to Sporting Kansas City, Renee. All right, Sporting, Brad's favorite team. Uh, remember to smash that like and subscribe button in order of Brad's love for Sporting Kansas City. Thank you. You know, I remember the last time we spoke, uh, I mentioned how I had a really fun time falling into the New York FC uh, preview because it's a team that I don't really listen to or know about. Uh, when we were deciding teams, I threw out Sporting because... I feel like they're good, but I don't know that much about them. So I was interested in, in diving into them. So it was fun. It, was, it wasn't it was as crazy as the New York FC thing, but I think it, it was fun. Uh, you know, I laughed and I saved it for, for now. It's it's interesting that Colin brought up, I think it was Colin, brought up uh, Bezler coming into a team and not being that big of a deal. But I think it it's funny that his arrival somewhere is not as big as like his departure from somewhere. I think sporting him leaving sporting is is a bigger deal. Everything that I'm looking into is you know how are they gonna uh, figure figure that out? They they did bring in Remy Walter. I think that uh, that it looks like they're gonna maybe make him into an eight. One thing that was really really cool that I'm interested about, and I felt like Colin Johnson looking at a young Mexican player is Pulido. You know, Pulido did kill it in Liga in Liga MX at Chivas. He was killing it down there, and then he he had a fine season. I think he is the key to to Sporting success. They have some homegrown dudes to come in and sort of be their decoy to let him play around uh, a little freer. But I think I think it's going to be uh, interesting for for Pulido. Um, from what I think the guy also got Mirren coming in. Um, to hopefully fill in that that CB spot. Sporting reminds me of, even though they have a title, right? Sporting reminds me of the New England, New England Revolution of the West, and that they're really their quality. They're really good, and then they sort of choke when it matters. So I, I think Sporting needs to. It'll be it'll, it'll be a fun season for Sporting. I, I seriously think Bolido's going to be a lot of fun to watch if he can figure it out. Um, and I think they're going to be a a playoff team. I just don't know if they're. They're gonna they're gonna win it. I think they need to win something. There are like sixty nine championships going on this summer, so you know maybe they'll get one of those. But sporting is sporting's gonna be a lot of fun. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Yeah, I definitely think they're gonna be pretty good. It wouldn't mm-hmm. shock me if they win their favorite trophy for like the hundredth time, the U.S. Open Cup. So yeah, probably I'm not gonna comment some. more. Yeah, no, I I legit think they're probably top three in the West. Yeah. Um, yeah. Does anyone else really have anything? I don't know about top three, but yeah, no, I, I think sporting's supposed. To, yeah, sporting's gonna be pretty good. Yeah, they're all fun. right. Should be fun. Yeah, I I agree. Yeah, we'll keep it rolling. The last team of the West is the final Cascadia team, uh, the Vancouver Whitecaps. If fun fact about them, they'll be the best team playing at Rio Tinto this year. 
Uh, so they got that going for them. Shade. Yeah, well, RSL deserves it. Uh, so Vancouver is actually one of the clubs that's been spending money this offseason. Uh, they've splashed some cash around, which I think has gotten Whitecaps fans excited. I think they're really tired of being the littlest brother of Cascadia Cup, which is like fine. I mean, it's kind of unfortunate for them that their biggest rivals have been of late two of the better MLS clubs, uh, which is like really tough if you're the Whitecaps because I think they often get overlooked. You know, they've made the playoffs a couple times and they're not like as terrible as I think people want to think they are. I will say that their biggest thing going forward is going to be just this year, blending of their new signings, uh, which are pretty young, and then just the youth movement that they've kind of been going through. And if they can end that three-year playoff drought, biggest concern for me for them is where do their goals come from? They decided to just let Freddie Montero go on a free, and he was their second leading scorer last year. <laughs> Uh, I, I, that like shocked me. Uh, their leading score had six goals and Freddie Montero had five. So big question is where do their goals come from? But like I said, they had some big signings. They signed, uh, Cal Kyo Alexandre. Uh, he's going to be their new number eight. He's a super good box box number eight. Uh, he's from Botafogo. Um, he's only 22 and they spent a lot of money on him, but he wasn't one of their DPs. Um, they still actually have a DP slot open. So I'm assuming he was their youth signing because it came March 12th. And I think he met all the qualifications for that. So that's that's a pretty big signing for them. Uh, they also brought in Dieber uh, Cassiando. He's a winger. He played for Deportivo Cali. Um, so that's another big signing. And then they also brought in uh, Bruno Gaspar as a defender. So these are pretty big moves for them. I think they're really smart moves. I think that... Vancouver is kind of going to be a low-key fun team to watch just because of how young they are. I feel like a lot of their games last year, when I was looking at it, they lost or won a lot of games that were like four to three. And I see that happening again this year where they just get into like weird games where it's like three, two, four, three, you know, high scoring games. The downside of that is like I mentioned, because they don't really have a goal score. They could also have a lot of games where they lose two to nothing. And that's going to be the really hard thing for them. Their losses, they lost uh, Inbun Huang to Ruben Kazan, which I'm not even sure where that club is. Freddie Montero left on a free to Seattle. We've kind of, kind of talked about that. Thank you, Davis. And they also did something that I thought was pretty sneaky. They picked up Evan Bush for free when he was released from Montreal and then immediately sold him on to Columbus. So nice work, Columbus. Way to spend money on someone they could have got for free, dummies. Um, we talked to great highly of Columbus. Uh, so yeah, I, I kind of hinted at it. I like, kind of like what Vancouver's doing. I could see them being really interesting. I think big challenge for them is they've got a lot of young players who I don't know how many of them have been playing together. So I think chemistry issues out the gate are going to be an issue for them. Um, if they can kind of get through that and be like, mediocre i could honestly see them being one of the last teams in the playoff like i don't think it's unrealistic i think they're going to be fun and fast yeah i think seventh or seventh to ten is the range they're going to fall in but i would not be shocked if somehow they got like up to six or five it wouldn't be insane to me and just to quickly note their dps are ali adnan who's a defender and lucas cavallini who was their leading scorer last year so they still have an open slot they've showed a willingness to spend money so there is a chance if they're doing well, 
that they end up spending money and bringing in another DP, maybe a number 10, which would be, I think would be great to link with uh, Alexandre, their new eight. I think they could, that could really make them a dangerous and fun team. So that's kind of my quick assessment on them. I think they're one of the youngest teams uh, in MLS. So always fun to see younger teams just kind of run around everyone. Does anyone have anything they want to chime in for the Whitecaps? Um, Ali Adnan, who you mentioned, uh, the wingback for Vancouver, really, mm-hmm. really great. Really, yeah. really, really playing some of his best soccer of his life in MLS. Yeah, I think he's... I say that with a bias, but still. <laughs> I think he's going to be interesting because I, I think they might lose him for bits of the season because he'll probably get called up to the national team for... He's on yeah. Israel's national team, nope. I believe, right? Iraq. Iraq, excuse me, yeah. So uh, so that'll be pretty pretty rough if he gets call-ups because uh, I think he's kind of like one of the consistent pieces for them. Uh, no, yeah, he is. It, he's one of the better players for the Iraqi national team currently uh, and has been yeah. for years. Do we all want to do a quick rundown of our playoff? We'll just do top seven. Uh, let's start with the King of the West since 96, Renee. What up, guys? Remember, uh, go visit our subscribers, go visit our uh, sponsors uh, to get that good juice. All right, I'll just go, Clyde, remember to give Clyde them bits as well. Give that, give that Dogecoin a hit too. All right, I got uh, LAFC at number one, uh, as, as much as it pains me. I got the Sounders at number two. I, I think they're going to be better than, than, than what you think. Uh, I got Sporting at number three. Maybe that's just because I was reading a lot about them. Uh, Portland at four. I got Minnesota at five. And then I have, I, I threw in Dallas. I, um, I think they're fine. Uh, I think Colin, I moved them up as we were talking today. And then to go, echo off of what Brad was saying, I put Vancouver in the last playoff slot. I think Vancouver can sink in there. I really do. So that is my seven. All right. Davis, you want to do your seven real quick? The Galaxy's yeah. at number eight. They barely miss it. My, mine's pretty similar. I have, I have Portland as being as finishing top in the West with LAFC at number two. And then I have Minnesota United finishing third. I think Minnesota's going to be a surprise team this year. I think um, I have Seattle at four and then Sporting, Dallas, and the Galaxy rounding it out for the seven. And then just to give you all some oh, completion, hey. just to give you all some completion, I then have Austin, Vancouver, Houston, San Jose, Colorado and RSL to wrap it up. So, you Houston above teams? Are you high right now? Um, don't Jose, answer. Don't answer. Don't San answer. Jose, Colorado, and RSL—they're are awful. That so bad. hold on. That bottom four could be interchangeable. Could, they, they could all have three points by the okay. end of the year. So that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, the Combined. bottom four is combined. <laughs> yep, totally. I'm, I'm weirdly higher, I think, on San Jose, but that's just me. I'll go next, I guess, unless Colin, do you want to go? All right, I'll go. Uh, my top, I have Portland number one. I have LAFC at number two. I have Kansas City at three. I have Minnesota at four. I have Seattle at five. I have the Colorado Rapids at six. And then I have a weird slotting for seven, eight, nine which I think it could be any one of these teams ending up seven or ninth. So, uh, but currently I have it listed as uh, Dallas, Galaxy, Vancouver, but 
I think those three are interchangeable. I think it'll just be really close. Might be a decision day thing for those three squads. So that's how I lined it up. Uh, Colin, you want to do your top seven? I, I think everyone's are pretty similar. I've got LAFC one, Portland two, SKC three, Seattle four, Dallas five, Minnesota six, and then Colorado I've got in seven with LA Galaxy just missing out in eighth. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see like three through eight change. San Jose is the only other team I think that's capable of really sneaking into the playoffs this year. But but I, I think, uh, yeah, I've got uh, LA just missing out the Galaxy. Unless maybe they'll make a big DP signing and it'll be huge, but if they don't, I don't think they're going to make it. A lot, of, a lot of hate for Minnesota United, you guys. What's going on? I just don't think I, they got better enough. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't hate Minnesota. I think... I think the problem with the West is there are like four or five teams that are really solid and are just kind of going to beat up on each other, which might be bad come playoff time. But after that top five, I think it kind of lessens off where I think the East is more middle heavy than top heavy. Yeah. Um, so it'd be really interesting just for fun. I also have Austin finishing dead last. So good. And then getting uh, relocated. No, that's not going to happen. All right. Well, that wraps up our West conversation. I think we're going to try and come back after the first leg of UCL uh, games or CONCACAF Champions League games. So if anyone has... Oh, yeah, go ahead. So one thing as I was doing my research, there was a really interesting question in one of the uh, MLS posts. They were talking about in the last, what, since 2015, we've seen the same five teams make the MLS Cup. So it's Seattle, Toronto, Portland, Columbus, and Atlanta. Um, yep. No one else has made it, I think, in, in the last five years. Do we see any new teams that are not those five finally make it to the MLS Cup this year? What do you guys think? I think Again, New England Seattle, a... Toronto, Portland, Columbus, Atlanta. I think New England has a, has a real good chance. I, I understand their hang-ups. But if anybody can, you know, break some culture, it, it's Bruce Arena. So I think New England could be. I, I don't know necessarily if they will be. It, it'll. My gut says it'll probably be Portland and Columbus again. But I, I, I agree on New England. Oh, I, maybe LAFC. That's the only other one I could see sneaking yeah. in. I, have I was going to say I'm still high on Philly. Yeah, Philly. Um, I, I'm still pretty high on Philly. If we go back to my last weeks, I put them at my number two. Um, so I think, I think Philly, Philly could, could get in there. Fun, quick Philly thing. The younger Aronson scored yesterday in a scrimmage for him. It was a good goal. So yeah. Uh, just kind of touch on that real quick. I have have the other. Oh, sorry. I have one more piece of news. So the U S national team just kicked off. Uh, Yunus Musa playing in his fourth game with the U S officially captized him. So he can't play for someone else. Nice. That is good. U S news. Um, so good. Very good. Real quick, uh, just the last quick thing is I was going to say the only other team I could see sneaking in is if Kansas City puts together a solid run because I think they're a good defensive team, they could make the like MLS Cup. So Nice. I just hadn't, I hadn't thought about it uh, until I saw it, that it's just been like the same sort of same teams, which is kind of interesting. I think that kind of wraps up for the West. Like I said, we're going to try and come back after uh, the first couple games here with uh, Champions League and some other stuff probably in about two weeks. So thank you, everyone. Uh, Christine, take us out.
goodbye. From the offsides.